Welcome to the Live Big Podcast featuring Dr. Derek Greer, where we teach principles from God's Word that will empower you to live big. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com. Here's Dr. Greer. Today's going to be a little different. And today, actually, I needed extra time because of uh, the the mode of ministry. Um, But it hasn't quite gone my way. Um, But you guys know we, we, we have thousands of people here at Grace, and that's an awesome thing. But because of the, the, the amount of people here, I uh, can no longer counsel the way I used to when it was just, you know, a, a few hundred of us. So we, you know, we, we, we trained and developed and uh, mentors and, and counselors. We have psychologists on staff. We, we, have, uh, uh, we have a whole uh, special ministry with people involved in social services, et cetera. So we, we, we do have people to, to serve uh, in this capacity. But, you know, I had so much in my heart and so much to say. And, and, and what I decided to do, you know what? I, I said, I cannot, it's, it's be impossible to get through 5,000 people to sit down and have a session with them. So what I decided to do this Sunday, I'm going to take the entire church to a counseling session, okay? So, all right, what I want you to do today is don't wait for the preach. I don't think it's coming, okay? I want you to pretend you're in my office. It's just you and me, you and I, talking and communicating. And uh, I, I, there's, there's one main scripture, I think, if you grab hold of it, um, I, I, I think it could really change your life. It could change your approach to things. And uh, if there was any Sunday you wanted to be here, it would be for, for this Sunday. So let's open our Bibles to Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 12. And Solomon begins... Hope deferred makes the heart sick. We see here that just as the body can get sick, so can our hearts. So how does it happen that we end up with heart sickness and sick hearts? Let's go back up to the top. He says hope, which simply means desire, expectation, something worthy of waiting for. Deferred, postponed, delayed, or overdue. What does it do? It makes the what? The heart what? Sick. Now, is Solomon talking about the natural heart? No, he's not. Those setbacks can impact your your health uh, naturally if you let it. In the Bible, typically the heart is the place where our thoughts, our emotions, and the desires begin. So when the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart, did did God mean that God had a heart that looked just like David pumping in heaven? Is that what he meant? No. What he meant was that they had similar motivations, similar characteristics, that, that, that they had a similar spirit about them. And uh, the heart of a person is that invisible inside, uh, that, that in, invisible uh, deep inside part of you. And, and here's the deal, you know, as much as important as working out is and all that other stuff, you know, no charm shines brighter than a good heart. And I mean, you, you could get your teeth whitened and you, you could get your, your hair fixed and you could do all that stuff. But nothing is, is more beautiful than a beautiful spirit and a beautiful heart. Proverbs 4 and 23, Solomon digs in a little bit, and he tells a little bit more about the importance of the heart. He says this, keep your heart with all diligence. Now, the NIV reads a little bit strong and a little bit more clearly to, to us living in, in the more contemporary uh, age. He says, above all else... Guard your what? Heart. Heart. 
We must let love, joy, peace, gentleness, kindness guard our hearts like armed soldiers. And then he continues. He says, for everything. Is there anything not included in everything? Everything means the whole shebang. It means the whole caboodle, the whole ball of wax, the whole enchilada. Nothing is excluded from everything. So above else, guard your heart for what? Everything you do, all of your actions and inactions flow from it. Now, in the middle of making this, this, this incredible statement, he starts using imagery of, of the environment that was around them at this time. He, he uses the, the word flow, and he's painting the picture of, of a, a spring or, or, or a water well that has a spring underground that, that creates the, 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 the well. And the reason he does this is because at this time in history, they didn't have plumbing like we do today. And, and, and in the desert, if you weren't next to uh, either a riverbed or uh, a lake bed, uh, you know, you, you were in trouble. So most settlements beyond, you know, the, the, the rivers like the Nile, everyone was around the Nile because, again, you, you, you got water from, from the riverbed. But the short of it is everyone wanted to be or needed to be, and settlements were developed around water. So... Typically, before, you know, a whole lot of folk congregate in any area, they find a well. And if they found that well, you know, everyone could drink. Now, again, we take it for granted because everyone has a faucet in their home, uh, but it was very, very different at this time in history. In fact, if someone poisoned a well at this time in history, it was considered an act of war. And, and rightfully so, because you can go without eating for maybe, you know, you know 30 days or so, uh, but you cannot go very long without water. So uh, whole wars were, were fought over uh, water rights and, and, and well rights. And you see, spiritual warfare is not just about things that go bump in the, the, the night. Pay attention to me. As much as things that go foul in our hearts, in our wells. They would go to war over a poison well. And what the devil wants to do is poison my heart. So I could do something to poison your heart. And then you do something else to poison somebody else's heart. And this is how the world got in the condition it's in because we, we did not tend to our will above everything else. We, we have not guarded the issues of our, 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 our lives. It said, for out of it springs what? The issues. There's that word again. The issues of what? Life. According to Scripture, all your issues come first from your heart. It's not another person. It's not your circumstances. Your biggest issue is deep down on the inside. Your heart is the wellspring of all our actions and all of our responses. This is why it's so important to get the Word of God in your heart. You know, I'm excited about being excited about God. I'm excited about the shout. I'm excited about the dance and all those good things. But the reality is... A lot of folks, they know how to do church, but they don't know God's word. So when situations arise, they don't really have an answer. They, they can't be informed by their faith because they don't know their faith. Do you understand? So, and what we, we want to do is we want to make sure that deep down in our heart, we know what the word of God says. So faith and the facts can inform our choices, not just our emotions. Here's the deal. This is what we do as, as, as church people. 
We go for a Holy Ghost fix every Sunday. Now listen, Holy Ghost is a good thing. Please don't, don't mishear me. He, he, it's awesome to be excited about God. In fact, I, I wouldn't want to live without emotions. I'd just be a computer. But when you put the emotions out front instead of behind, that's when you get in trouble. So what we do is we, 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 we go to God. We, but one day we have a feeling in our heart. And uh, uh, because of that feeling, we respond in an altar, and we think that's the end of it. No, 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 no. You see, when I first met my wife, I had a feeling. I enjoyed that feeling. In fact, the feeling went a little something like that when, when I saw my wife. But somewhere down the line, I had to make a choice. Do you understand? It wasn't enough for me to feel like I love her. I had to learn to talk to her. To learn to communicate with her. I had to learn about her. So, uh, again, we, 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 we put feelings so high uh, and emotions so high that we have a whole culture now that everyone's feelings are so easily hurt. And as soon as we get hurt, you know, ah, you know we pet, because feelings are out front. Not ideas, not thoughts, not convictions or principles, but how I feel. Do you know how I, I, you make me feel. But here's the deal. Our, our, our hearts easily go rogue. That's why our ribs are, are cages. And you got to guard your heart. You got to make sure you're putting the right thing in your heart in order for you to have the right responses and reacts. I'm going somewhere. Just stay with me and we'll get there. Let's go to Jesus right now. How many of you think Jesus knows what he's talking about? All right. Luke chapter 6 and 45. A good man out of the good treasure of his what? Heart brings forth good. Did Jesus say that we do good only because somebody did something good to us? No, the good we do is dependent on us. No one else is responsible for you. And an evil man out of the evil treasure, so the issue is the treasure and not your circumstance. Does anybody understand? You know, Arthur and Sharice, they were just up here sharing just a little bit. Here's the deal. They've been married, I don't know how many years. 20. Okay, 20 years. <laughs> 20 years. You know, like most couples, they had, they had some challenges and bumps along the way. But when she couldn't talk, she couldn't speak, she couldn't think, her eyes were, were, were closed. And sometimes, just I don't want to go into details. The short of it was, what was in his heart began to surface. A lot of people would have walked away because my wife can't do this anymore. My wife doesn't do that anymore. And you say it's because of what they did. The issue was your heart. The only reason they're still together is somebody made a decision deep down in their heart. That's the only reason they're making it to the other side of, of, of this issue. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth what? Evil. So our real treasure is not in our bank accounts. Where is it? In our hearts. And if we realize that we pay attention to our hearts a, a, a little bit more. See, real poverty is not a matter of money. It's a matter of attitude. And if we begin to recognize this in our marriages, in our, our, our church, in our, in our families, I mean, I believe immediately half of our problems would be gone. Here's the deal. Something I want to teach you about the devil. To impact your life, the devil has to first get to your heart. At least to permanently impact your life. 
See, he could take all my money, but if I keep my heart right, I'll get it back. For him to permanently, permanently get results in your life, he has to get in your heart. So what he does is he works on our attitudes and our mindset, throwing in imaginations and and trying to get us embittered, trying to get us angry. He works day in and day out. Why? Because our marriages, as I've said in in, in past uh, meetings, represent Christ in the church. And if our marriages aren't whole, our testimony's not whole. So, so if we're not staying together, loving each other, getting over uh, problems and, and navigating issues, where's our testimony? We're just as bad as the rest of the world if we're making the rest of the world's choices. Are you still with me? When we put our cares into his hands, he puts his peace into our hearts. But here's the deal. If you have a cup full of gasoline, it's kind of hard to fill that cup with water. You got to dump one thing out. And God's not trying to get us to abandon things because he's being mean and cruel. It's just, listen, I want to get that out of you so I could put something into you. And we have to humble ourselves and make an exchange. So what I'm trying to do today in our sharing is get some stuff out of you so God can begin to pour some stuff into you. Are you still with me? He said, for out of the abundance of the heart, his mouth what? Speaks. So according to, to Jesus... Bitter and biting words come from bitter and biting hearts. Tender and thoughtful words come from tender and thoughtful hearts. If you want to know the condition of a person's heart, just listen to them for a few minutes and watch what they keep saying, whether for good or for bad. You see, God gave us tongues to speak with buds that taste. Because God's trying to, God God uses analogy. Actually, he likens the church to the body of Christ. And and just like, you know, we have two ears, one mouth. What's God trying to tell you? Listen twice as much as you talk, okay? But what what do we do? We talk twice as much as we listen. And the same thing with the tongue. He said, I'm giving this tongue, and I'm trying to tell you something. Just like nature's screaming at us all the time about God. And, And the tongue has not only the capacity to speak, it has the capacity to taste. So what we got to learn to do is taste our words before we spit them out. Pay attention to the flavor that we are creating with our speech. Jesus said it this way. Man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of who? God. So words feed us. So if the conversations with your children, the conversations with your spouse... Or maybe even the inner conversation with yourself. If they were a meal, what would they taste like? Vinegar or chocolate chip cookies? Pay attention because your language is impacting the spiritual climate. It's impacting everyone and everything around you. The challenge is our words are invisible. And because of that, and we're sometimes so carnal, we don't pay attention to them. But, you know, if you keep sowing corn, would you be surprised that eventually a corn stock grew? And if we keep sowing negative, you ain't this, you're never going to do that, and I'm so mad at you for that, how are you ever going to have a positive harvest? The Word of God says as long as this earth exists, there's going to be seed time and harvest. And here's what I've learned to do. And listen, I'm a one-trick pony. I am not really deep and profound. The only thing I know how to do is hear from God and stay at it. That's it. 
If you, you want to know the secret to my life, persistence. That's, that's just to stay at it. Matter of fact, I, I preached for, shoot, I don't know, uh, maybe 20 years before people started paying attention and even coming. All I knew was stay at it. And as I stayed at it, uh, God began to honor it. Now, what we got to do is pay attention to what we're sowing. See, what we say is, Lord, I want to harvest. God says, pay attention to the seed. Most things God gives us is in seed form. That's why you got to be spiritual. You can't be so carnal. Because we say, Lord, I want this, and, and, and you want a chicken. God says, well, here's an egg. I want you to nourish it. And then eventually, you'll have exactly what you want. So here's the deal. What are you sowing in your relationships? Words of you're not, I'm so mad, I'm so disappointed. Or how about words, you can do this. I'm for you. What are you sowing? Imagine if there was a a farmer that every day again, he's sowing, let's say, wheat. But he says, you know, I want broccoli. You'd look at him strange. And that's what we're doing. We're sowing the opposite of what we want. You got to call things that are not as though they were and begin to speak into your situation. If you're really going to be like Christ, God saw me a mess and he planted the seed of the word of God. I was still doing stuff, but he believed in that seed and that seed has grown and grown and grown and grown. So I'm at the place I am today. But my salvation started as a seed. Every baby, no one walks out of a womb talking about what's up. No one does that. No one. Starts as a little baby. And that little baby offers you nothing, requires all your care. And then as you develop it, eventually that thing, well, that person can walk out on their own. And <laughs> Let's get back to the scriptures. Proverbs 13, 12. It says, hope, which desires to say something worthy of waiting for, deferred, postponed, delayed, or overdue, makes the heart sick, which is wounded or weakened. Actually, in the Hebrew, it means to be pierced. So whenever I'm dealing with a wounded relationship, I know that 99.9% of the times, somewhere along the line, there was an unfulfilled expectation Hope deferred, when you expect something and you don't get it when you want it or when you think you should have it, you become frustrated. Does that make sense to you? Typically, there are three types of expectations, three types uh, that result in disappointment. Number one, unmet expectations. Number two, unspoken expectations. And number three, unrealistic expectations. And all three of those categories have to be dealt with in order for a couple or even an individual to be happy. Some people, you know, that you're single and you have such high expectations for yourself that are unrealistic. You will never, ever, only Jesus was that great. You understand what I'm saying? But, but you still have that expectation of yourself. Do you understand? And, and, and so this applies in a lot of different areas. But let's go to James chapter 4, verse 1 through 2. And let's unpack quickly unmet expectations. It says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Question mark. Then he answers the question. Don't they come because of your circumstances? Because of what happened to you when you were a kid? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? So where does all the strife and all the, the bickering come from? 
They're not coming from your circumstances as much as what's going on inside our hearts. See, it takes two to quarrel typically and only one to end it. Now, every now and then you just have this crazy person that's just going to fight and they're just crazy. There's nothing you can do with that. However, again, you know, my wife and I, um, you know, a little combative as, as a younger man. And I just wanted to, 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 to fight things out. And um, my wife is different. And I would, you know, go, you know, from zero to 100. And, and uh, she, she just look at me. Sometimes I think it's like, is he done? Is he done? Is he done? But she understood a principle. The Bible says a soft answer turns away wrath. And I'd be fighting, waiting for her to engage me. But typically she won't. She would have a kind answer. And then when she answered kindly, I felt convicted. Now, I pretend I wasn't, but I I feel (laughs) convicted. And I feel like a complete jerk, actually. And her, see, what I wanted her to do is come at me just the way I came at her. So we go for there, then we could go to there, and then something's going to break. You understand? Something's going to happen. But she was smart. She de-escalated the whole thing. You understand what I'm saying? Simply using biblical principles. Now, there are times to really work things out, but but it's not all the time. And, uh, you know, sometimes our our emotions are harming us more than helping us. You know, someone's yelling and screaming at you. How many of you are really open? Everything in you is like this. You can't really be open. So you got to create an environment. If everything's always yelling and screaming, you're never going to have real discussion. Somebody has to be the grown-up. And, and someone has to de-escalate. He said, don't they come from, from your desires, that, 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 that battle within you? When we try to hurt people who hurt us, we become just like them. So you're judging them because they hurt you. And because you judge them, you feel you can hurt them back. But then you became just like them. So you ought to judge yourself. Do you understand? So, you know, uh, uh, an eye for an eye just creates a people with no eyes. A marriage with no eyes. Because you understand what I'm saying? Verse 2. You desire, but you do not what? Have you expected to get what you wanted, but you didn't? So the issue is not so much you didn't get what you wanted. It was your response to, to, to not getting what you wanted. In marriage, in relationships, in friendships, going to church, you're not always going to get exactly what you want. The issue is how you react when that happens. So, so in a marriage, you don't get what you want, so you kill. Meaning you spent the next 20 years on the warpath over something that happened and something he or she did. Or when Thanksgiving comes around, you, 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 you continue nursing that, that, that grudge against that sibling and, and that parent. And if words physically cut, most of our loved ones would have bled to death years ago. And, and we, in our hearts, you know, there's the law in this country. Some places you get away with stuff a little better in America, but they got CSI and all that stuff. We can't get away with stuff the way some other uh, places do. So, so, so we won't cut them. Physically, but we would do it verbally, behind their back, to others and the rest. And he's, James is is a pastor. Most people wouldn't go to his church because James was just 
straight out there. He was, he was, he, he just told you the truth. But back in the first century, people were more interested in truth than what they felt or how they felt about the truth. So he could speak this way. So he looks at this church, the whole church said, y'all covetous, y'all, y'all, y'all covet, y'all, y'all a, a bunch of jealous, envious people. That's what he's saying. Meaning you wish you had it, you feel you deserve it, and you're angry at anyone else who got it. So you covet, but you can't get what you want. So your response is the quarrel and the fight. Hating people you love is like burning down your house to get rid of a rat. You have been listening to the Live Big Podcast with Dr. Derek Greer. For more information, visit DerekGreer.com or follow Dr. Greer on social media.